chapter and the fifth verse. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter and the fifth verse. Let's turn there. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter and the fifth verse. Notice what the Bible says here. Judge nothing before the time. Judge nothing before the time. Judge nothing before the time. And then the Bible tells us when that time is until the Lord comes. Until the Lord comes. Now notice, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness, that's when he comes, and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Now think about that. The Bible tells us here to judge nothing before the time. There's a certain time. What is that time? That's when the Lord comes. Titling this message today, The Finish Line. The Finish Line. You know when you begin a race, you start at the beginning and you run that race. But the race isn't finished until you cross the finish line. Okay? And you know a lot of things can happen when you're running a race. And just because you start the race doesn't mean you're going to finish it, does it? And just because you start it doesn't mean that you're going to win. You know, you may come in second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, you, you know, whatever that is. But uh, as we run this race of life, the Bible says that we're supposed to judge nothing before the time. We'll say it this way. Don't judge anything until we've crossed the finish line. What is that finish line? When the Lord comes. When the Lord comes. You see, and then at that time, he'll bring to light the hidden things of darkness. He'll reveal the secrets of our hearts and each one's praise will come from God. I'd rather have my uh, accolades come from God than from men. How about you? So let's wait until the finish line before judging anything. Now, I have some projection pictures up here, some examples today. The first one is a race car. And let's see if we can, uh, so there, that, that car is in a race. And we'll say that car is leading the race. And that car is going to win. And, and that car is just a hundred yards from the finish line. But you know what could happen? Uh-oh. And not only didn't get first, but didn't even what? Finish the race. How many of you have ever watched a baseball game and, and, and the uh, home team goes into the bottom of the ni- ninth inning and they're like 10 runs behind and everybody's kind of given up? And then the next thing you know, the home team gets the bats going and, and just within, within 10, 15 minutes, the whole stadium, the atmosphere has changed when the 11th run crosses and the home team wins and then all the people that went home early say... I shouldn't have went home early. I should have stayed. Have, have you ever seen a game like that? You know, I have a picture of a golfer up here. You know, now there you have a little, a little tyke. He, he's got the club backwards. He doesn't even know what he's doing. I never like getting behind little kids when I'm playing miniature golf. When my wife and I, we play and it's, we always play, you know, for blood. It's serious and Sometimes the little kids can hold you up, but he can't even hold a club straight. So if you looked at him right there, you're saying that kid doesn't have a chance. He has no future in golf. He has, he can't even hold the club right. But then you see him 20 years later and he's putting on the green jacket at Augusta National having won the Masters. 
Just because somebody doesn't get it the first... You know what happened to me the first time I hit the golf ball? I stood there, I I stood there and I went back and when I came down, there was no club in my hand. The club went sailing. I'm glad nobody was standing behind me. But as time went on, there was a time where as years came and went, I considered, I got good enough where I considered becoming a professional golfer. You know? Uh, So you you can't judge something just when when somebody's, you know, eight or ten years old. If you remember this last year at the Masters, I don't know how many of you follow golf, but Rory McIlroy was leading the Masters by a great number of shots. You remember that? Any of you golfers in here? And he had a meltdown on the last day, and it was an embarrassment, and he lost. And it was, it was sad. But there's a lot of people saying, you know, he can't possibly lose. He's going to win the Masters. But you judge nothing before the time. Is that right? And then this year in the U.S. Open, that same guy was leading the last day. He was way ahead and he held it together and he went on and he won. And, but you just don't want to judge anything ahead of time. Somebody asked Lee Trevino, he was a great golfer of yesteryear, what, where did he like to be positioned in a golf tournament? And he said this, he said, I like to be leading by one stroke when the golf tournament is over. <laughs> That's pretty good, huh? Have you ever heard, don't count your chickens before they're what? Hatched. Hatched. Now, I, <laughs> I don't count them until anymore until they're in the frying pan. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of things can happen. You know, you can, speaking of chickens, you know, you might have, uh, you see that, how many thinks that's just a cute little bird? Oh, oh, but then you see that bird years later and it's turned into a vulture. <laughs> so you can't go by... You ever see Jurassic Park? Anybody? And they're, and they're all that beautiful little, what is this? Oh, it's such a cute little, oh, it's a Vasilloraptor. Remember that? So it looks real cute when it's little, but it'll grow up and, and not too good, huh? Is that right? Or, you know, you could maybe see a young fellow like this. As a young lady, you see him and you say, you know, man, I'd like the young lady might see him and say, boy, he's a good looking guy. Boy, I'd really like to marry him. I'd really like to have him for a husband. And then 20 years comes and goes. <laughs> and there's, take that down real quick. because, <laughs> And we're not poking fun at anyone, but, you know, that could work with women too or men. And, you know, and the the... the the reverse of that, the reverse of that could be true. You know, there could be someone in high school that they're not that good looking. And the next thing you know, you see them 10 years later and they've won a beauty contest. What's the point here? Judge nothing when before the time. And I think we've all been guilty of that at one time or another. We judge things too soon, too early. If you think about Bible characters, Peter, remember Peter, he was kind of uh, boisterous. One time he said something to Jesus and Jesus turned and looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Remember that? But Peter then, and and did Peter, he denied Jesus three times, didn't he? So how could God ever use him? But yet God used, he repented, didn't he? And God used him on the day of Pentecost to preach the first sermon and 3,000 people got saved. A lot of people would have written Peter off. You know, when he cussed and denied Jesus. 
But you know what? Jesus didn't write him off. How many of you remember John? Remember John? The great apostle of love. But if you go back in John's past, there was a time that Jesus called him a son of thunder and and he wanted to call fire down on people. Remember that? He was very boisterous and kind of loud-mouthed. But you know what? He stayed close to Jesus and he didn't stay that way. And in the end, he was known as the apostle of love. A lot of people would have written John off. But you see, you judge nothing before the time. The apostle Paul didn't start out as the apostle Paul. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. And as Saul of Tarsus, if he would have come in here today, he would have wanted to take each and every one of us to jail and have us incarcerated and have us beaten and whipped. But you know what? If you'd have looked at him at that stage, he's a mean guy. But you know what? God got a hold of him. God worked on him. And then he became the Apostle Paul. And God used him to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, you see. You don't want to judge anything before the time. And then there's this guy in the Bible known as Demas. And he followed Paul and was a companion with Paul. And he worked with Paul in the ministry. And everything was evidently going good and well. But you know what the Bible reports on him? Paul said, Demas has forsaken me. He's left me having loved this present world. See, Demas started out just fine, but he didn't stick with it. You see, we want to judge nothing before the time. And we could go on and on. Like Mark. Remember Mark? He started out with Barnabas and Paul. And he went on that first missionary journey with him. And it was going good. But then it got tough. It got rough. And he left him. He deserted him. He left him. And then on the next uh, trip, you know, one of the later trips, uh, Barnabas wanted to take Mark. And Paul said, no, I'm, we're not taking him. Remember that? See, if you'd have judged it right there and stopped right there, Mark is a failure. But you know what? Mark went on, and and in the process of time, Paul made the statement, send Mark, he's profitable to me. See, we don't want to judge things before the time. Remember Abraham and Sarah? Remember, they had no children. And Abraham said one day, he said, I have no children. He said, I'm going to have to give everything I have to my servant. Remember that? And God dealt with him and spoke to his heart. And, and as time came and went, much happened. But when he was 100 years old, God gave, and his wife was 90, God gave him a son. It's never too late. We don't judge things until when? Until the time, until the finish line, you see. Is that right? Uh, the Bible says, uh, train up a child in the way that they should go and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. There's a lot of people that they get upset and they get, they're, they're all, they're all in, in turmoil because they, they used to take their children to church. They raised them in Sunday school and now their children are acting wild and their children aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and not living according to the word of God. But you know, we're not supposed to judge anything before the time. Is that right? And the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go and when they're what? When they're old, they'll not depart from it. So you see, they're not old yet. So don't give up. Amen? Don't give up on your children if they're not living. If, if you trained them up right and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, don't give up on them. Don't judge things too soon. Because you see, the Bible says when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Hang on to that scripture and don't judge things before the time. Remember Job? He started out real well. He was the richest man in the East. Remember that? <clears throat> and then if you looked at him right then, boy, he's doing good. But then he lost it all, didn't he? 
If you judge him then, it's not looking too good, is it? But then at the end of his life, God gave him back twice as much as he had before. So Job started out well. He went through a rough time, but then he ended up real strong, you see. So just don't judge things too soon. Don't write somebody off just because of the way things look at a certain point. Don't give up and quit just because things might not be going so good for you right now. Remember Yogi Berra said, it ain't over till it's over. He also said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. God bless you. But say, it ain't over till it's over. Just listen to this. As a young man, Abraham Lincoln, you ever hear of him? He went to war a captain and returned a private. Afterwards, he was a failure as a businessman. As a lawyer in Springfield, he was too impractical and temperamental to be a success. He turned to politics and, and, to politics and was defeated in his first try for the legislature. Again defeated in his first attempt to be nominated for Congress. He was defeated in his application to be commissioner of the general land office. He was defeated in the senatorial election of 1854. He was defeated in his efforts for the vice presidency in 1856 and defeated in the uh, senatorial election of 1858. At about that time, he wrote in a letter to a friend, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on the earth. Abraham Lincoln, who of the 44 presidents that we've had is considered by just about everybody as the greatest president we've ever had. But if you'd have judged him in 19, what was it, 1958, or, yeah, 19, well, sorry, 1858, you'd have thought, oh my gosh, he's a loser. He's just a loser. But he didn't quit. I said he didn't quit. I'm trying to encourage you today, don't quit. Maybe people are looking at you and they're wagging their head and they're saying, oh, you know, he's going backward. There's no... Don't listen to those old naysayers. Don't listen to them. You trust God and go on with God. And God can do something good. Amen? Amen. Have you ever heard of Winston Churchill? He failed sixth grade. He was subsequent subsequently defeated in every election for public office until he became prime minister at the age of 62. He later wrote, never give in, never give in, never give in, never, 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 never give in in nothing. Great or small, larger or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never, 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 never give up. Thomas Edison's, ever hear him? How many are we're enjoying Thomas Edison's work this morning with this light? Huh? Light bulb? Teachers said he was too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive. As an inventor, Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. When a reporter asked, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? Edison replied, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. (laughs) Albert Einstein, you ever hear of him? He was pretty good in math, wasn't he? 
He did not speak until he was four years old and did not read until he was seven. His parents thought he was abnormal and one of his teachers described him as mentally slow, unsociable and adrift forever in foolish dreams. He was expelled from school. And it was probably the greatest mathematical mind that maybe has ever lived. You know, uh, I... uh, when I, when I was in seventh grade, I wanted to take pre-algebra. They told me I was too dumb. I wanted to go into algebra in eighth grade. They told me I was too dumb. Ninth grade, I took my first algebra one test, my first algebra test in ninth grade at Eureka High School, and I made an F on it. I went on. I made an A in that class. made an A in geometry. Made an A in Algebra 2. Made an A in Trigonometry and Math Analysis. Went on to Calculus 1, Calculus 2, Calculus 3. Made A's in all of those in college. Uh, Linear Algebra A, Differential Equations A. And then we got to the tough stuff. (laughs) Number Theory A. And then we went on and we took uh, Advanced Linear Algebra. And we took Advanced Calculus. And we took Functions of a Calculus of Complex Variables. We took... uh, uh, abstract algebra, we took uh, number theory, we took advanced, uh, advanced uh, linear algebra, we took uh, Euclidean and non-Euclidean, we, we took all engineering physics and we made A's and B's in those and we became a, a college math instructor. Amen. Amen. So I showed those people who told me I was too dumb. Now, I'm not saying that to brag on myself, I just, that would have been a good place in 7th or 8th grade to quit. But I showed them that I could do it. And became a college math instructor. Don't give up because some ding-dong says you can't do it. Don't believe the ding-dongs. Believe God. Amen? Amen. So we went on and we made it. I always say this jokingly though. Now when God called me in the ministry, I don't use any of that advanced calculus. I add, subtract, multiply, add, subtract, multiply, divide, do percents. I knew all that in the fourth grade. Wouldn't have had to go on, I guess, take all those. Well, let's move on. Henry Ford. How many of you like his work? The car. Failed and went broke five times before he succeeded. Macy. Macy's stores. Failed seven times before his store in New York City caught on. Woolworth. He had a big store. Was not allowed to wait on customers when he worked in a dry goods store because his boss said he didn't have enough sense. Vince Lombardi. You ever hear of him? A great football coach. He possesses minimal, minimal football knowledge and lacks motivation. Lombardi would later write, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up. Amen. Michael Jordan. You ever hear of him? The great basketball player was cut from his high school basketball team. Babe Ruth. Baseball slugger is famous for his past home run record, but for decades he also held the record for strikeouts. He hit 714 home runs and struck out 1,330 times in his career, about which he said, every strike brings me closer to the next home run. That's a good way of looking at life, isn't it? Hank Aaron, who went on to break Babe Ruth's record many years later, he went zero for five his first times at bat with the Milwaukee Braves, but later became the home run king with the Atlanta Braves. Aren't you glad he didn't give up when he 
went zero for five. Walt Disney, have you ever heard of Walt Disney? He was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. (laughs) Well, don't tell that to Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse. And we could go on and on. He went bankrupt several times before building Disneyland. Charles Schultz, creator of the Peanuts comics starring Charlie Brown, had every cartoon he submitted rejected by his high school yearbook staff. And, And later Walt Disney didn't even hire him. But he did pretty good, didn't he? Charles Schultz. Dr. Seuss. Ever hear of him? Cat in the Hat. That's how I learned to read. 27 publishers rejected his first book. Fred Astaire. First screen test. The memo from the director from MGM said he can't act, he can't sing, he's slightly bald, he he can dance a little. He kept that memo over his fireplace in his Beverly Hills home. Lucille Ball. Lucy. How many loves Lucy? Began studying to be an actress in 1927. She was told by the lead instructor, try any other profession. Harrison Ford, you know, Indiana Jones. Remember him? His first performance, the studio vice president called him into his office and said, you ain't got it, kid. You ain't got it. Now get out of here. Beethoven. Ever hear of him? handled the violin awkwardly and performed playing his own compositions instead of improving his technique. His teacher called him hopeless as a composer. And of course, you know that he wrote five of his greatest symphonies while completely deaf. And finally, we could could go on and on with these all day long. In 1954, the manager of the Grand Ole Opry fired, and I take this personal, fired Elvis Presley <laughs> after one performance and told Presley, you, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. You know, they tried to get him back there and he wouldn't go. And I don't blame him. Good for him. And in 1973, here's a man, we're talking about, don't judge something till it's over, but think about this. Here's a man who rose to the top almost overnight. In 1973, he performed a concert in Hawaii known as the Aloha Concert that was the first beam around the world on satellite. And he stepped out on stage looking like, I mean, just looking like Johnny B. Good. I mean, just, you know what I mean? Just looking wonderful in 1973. And if you'd have judged it, then you'd have said, this guy, he's, at the, he's got the world by the tail. And in four short years, he's bloated from the abuse of drugs and he's dead at 42 years old. He didn't wind up so good, did he? You know, we need to be watchful about judging things too soon. Look at Malachi, the third chapter, if you would. That's the last book in the Old Testament. Look at this. Malachi, the third chapter and the 13th verse. Malachi 3.13. See, we don't want to judge anything till we get to the finish line. And then we ought to just let God judge things. 
Malachi 3.13, God's speaking here and he says, Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You know, you, you, you need to realize you can say things against the Lord and maybe not even realize it. And then he says, well, you have said it's useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we've walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? What, what profit is it that we've served God? Is what they're saying. Verse 15. So now we call. Notice now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear the Lord. And who meditate on his name. How many of you have ever seen people doing what they shouldn't be doing and it looks like they're going forward and you're doing your best to serve God and it looks like you're going backwards? Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? And that's evidently what had happened to these people. They were walking before the Lord. They were walking right before the Lord and they saw other people not doing so. And they're saying, what what profit is it? What what use is it to serve God? I mean, we're doing what's right and we're going backward. And these people over here are doing what's wrong. And it looks like they're going forward. But the Lord listened in. And he heard them in a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And then in verse 17, he says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day. Real loud, say on the day. day. One more time, "On on the day. See, we need to wait till that day comes. We need to wait till the finish line is crossed. We're supposed to judge nothing before the time. You might be here today and you've been serving God and, and it seems like you're going backwards and you've seen other people. They're not serving God and it look, looks like they're going, going forwards. Well, don't judge anything before the time. Wait till the day comes. Because God says, on the day that I make them my jewels, speaking of those who serve him, I'll spare them as a man serves his own son who serves him. I'll spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him then. Real loud, say then. See, then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. He says then. See, don't look at the way things look now. Don't go by the way things look now. We haven't gotten to the finish line yet. Wait till we get to the finish line. And then when we get to the finish line, when the Lord comes back, he said he told us when that day was when he comes back and he does the judging and he does the handing out of the of the rewards. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. You see, I've watched unfaithful Christians over the many years. I've watched them advance while it looks like faithful Christians are going backwards. I've watched Christians that never pray prosper while it looks like the praying Christian lacks. I've watched Christians who occasionally frequent the house of God have, while other Christians who attend every time the doors are open have not. I've watched Christians who will change churches like someone might change their socks, continually jumping from one church to another. And they laugh with glee as they hurt that pastor's, as they leave and, you know, they stay just for a while and they just leave on a whim and gone. While Christians who stay planted where they feel God wants them to attend, they they sometimes weep with sorrow. The ones who bounce around sometimes laugh with glee while the ones who stay planted many times weep with sorrow. 
I've watched Christians who just tip God with what they have left over. I watch them increase with promotion and riches while it looks like the Christian who tithes and honors God in tithes and offerings barely has enough. See, I've watched all this over these many years. I've watched Christians who do not discipline their body and mouth increase while it looks like the Christian who keeps their body and mouth under control decrease. I've watched rude and haughty Christians uplifted while humble Christians are treated like a doormat. I've watched Christians sexually loosen their morals and views, popularized beyond measure, while the chaste Christian who presents himself pure before God is mocked and laughed to scorn. I've watched Christians unconcerned for others, unconcerned for souls, experience blue skies and smooth sailing while the soul winner, the one who cares immeasurably for the well-being of of others, experience immeasurable problems and heartache. I've watched some well-known Christian leaders use unscrupulous, unscrupulous tactics and even misquote the word of God to raise money and, and they receive the accolades of men while leaders of unknown ministries operate in integrity. They go ignored and treated like failures but I'm here today to remind you that we're not supposed to judge anything say before the time because it ain't over till it's over and it ain't over till God says it's over when he comes back and he does the judging judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes And then he'll bring to light the hidden things of darkness, the Bible said. And he'll reveal the counsels and the secrets of people's hearts. And the praise and reward and the judgment will come from the Lord. Notice 1 Corinthians 3.11. Notice talking about how he judges when he comes back. This is known as the judgment seat of Christ. Notice this, 1 Corinthians 3.11. He says, for no other, the Bible says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. How many of you know Jesus is our foundation? That's how you get saved. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. You understand that. But you'll be rewarded for your works. And you can lose reward as a result of bad works. Notice right here, verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. Realize, say the day. See, that's the day. That's the finish line. That's when he comes back. That's when the, 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 the judgment time comes, you see. Because it'll be revealed by fire. And the fire, the fire of God, will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he'll receive a what? He'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. What that simply is telling us there in verse 15, that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But you see, if we as Christians have bad works... When the judgment day comes, we'll still get into heaven all right. But because of the lack of good works, the fire of God will burn those bad works and there'll be no reward. We'll get into heaven. That beats going to hell, doesn't it? But we'll get into heaven, but we won't have any reward, you see. But it's on that day when God will judge. So don't judge anything until that day. 
And he said, when that day comes, then you'll again discern between one who serves God and one who doesn't. You see, at this judgment seat of Christ, we'll see Christians who were unfaithful, that seemingly advanced, have their works burned to smithereens, while Christians who were faithful receive the crown of life and hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you would like to hear that? We'll see Christians who seldom prayed stand ashamed before Jesus in that day while the Christian who interceded and prayed receive great reward. We'll see Christians who occasionally frequented the house of God, who tipped the house of God, uh, who, who church hopped and, and, and was carried about with every wind of doctrine, suffer great loss while the crown of life is presented to those Christians who were faithful to God and faithful to the things of God and to the house of God. We'll see Christians who did not discipline their bodies and mouths, who were haughty and stuck up, suffer great loss by the fire of God, while those who were disciplined and, and they walked right before God and humbly before God receive the crown of righteousness and the crown incorruptible. Can, can anybody say amen? amen? We'll see Christians who only cared about themselves be devastated by the fire of the judgment seat of Christ while the soul winner and those who cared for others, those who fed the hungry, those who gave gave drink to the thirsty, food and clothing to the destitute, those who helped the, the, the prisoner be rewarded with the crown of rejoicing. Christians' jaws will drop in that hour at the judgment seat of Christ when many quote-unquote famous ministers who received the accolade as as great men and women of God have their works ravaged and burned by the fire of God, suffer great loss, they'll enter heaven without reward, while other ministers whom no one knew without accolade in this life walked in integrity and the crown of glory will be placed on their heads by the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? You see, at the judgment seat of Christ, Christians rewards, Christians rewards will be so great and the loss of rewards so devastating. See that again at that time, we'll have to step back and discern again between one who served God and one who doesn't. You see, if you look at it now, right now, you might look at the guy across the street and say, well, he doesn't, he doesn't serve the Lord, but I do. He's getting promoted and I'm not. But you see, we're not supposed to judge anything before what? Before the time. Wait till the Lord comes back. Let him do the judging. And then we'll have a different view of it. When the, those people who didn't serve God, they're not rewarded. But we who tried our best to serve God will be rewarded. And we'll get that everlasting compliment. You see, if I give you a compliment or a compliment comes from someone else, it's just temporary. But when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, you see, that's going to last forever, you see. You see, you might be here today and say, you know, I've served God. Just nobody knows about it. Nobody has has accoladed me. Nobody even knows that I've served God. You know, nobody needs to know that you've served God. Yeah, but nobody's patted me on the back. You know, what is a pat? I mean, I believe in patting people on the back. I believe in in encouraging people. I believe in complimenting people. But you understand that, that a pat on the back is just a passing thing. I've already had people pat me on the back one day and, and talk bad about me the next. Remember, a pat in the back is only 18 inches from a kick in the... Maybe I shouldn't have said that. 
Maybe nobody knows that you were honest in a situation where you could have been dishonest and nobody knows, but you know what? God knows. Maybe that clerk at the store, they were supposed to give you back a $5 bill and they gave you back a $10 bill. And you got home and you realized that and you drove all the way back like Abraham Lincoln and drove all the way back and made it right. And they don't even bother to say thank you. Well, what difference does that make? Because guess what? Somebody's watching. His name is God. And there's coming a day where he will reward that. Look at 1 Timothy 5 verse 24. I think as I begin to draw this to a close, I want you to, to get this here. And this scripture helped me a long time ago because I was talking to the Lord one time a long time ago about, you know, how come, you know, so-and-so looks like they can do such and such and they get away with it. And I, you know, I do such and such and I can't get away with it, you know, and you deal with me and don't look like you deal with them and so on and so forth. And, but this will help you right here. First Timothy five twenty four. Look at first Timothy five twenty four. Says some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident. When you really study that out, here's what you need to take away, in my opinion, from this these two verses. You need to realize that in this time in which we live here upon the earth, sometimes the things that we do that aren't right. Get de- sometimes God deals with those things with us right here and now. But sometimes they don't get dealt with until the judgment day. Did you hear that? And so when you look at somebody else that's doing wrong and, and, and you're wondering, well, it looks like they're getting away with it. You need to remember this. They're just getting away with it. Now there's a day they're going to have to answer to the Lord. And I want to offer this to you as an admonition and a warning. If there's something in your life that you're doing and you're just thinking, well, I'm getting away with this. Folks, you're not getting away with it. You might get away with it in this time, but there's a time coming at the judgment seat when God's going to deal with that thing. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I just said? So we don't, you you don't get away. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. So it'll produce that. It'll produce something not good in your life. It may not do it in this time in which we live. It may be at the judgment seat. And likewise, say likewise. Verse 25, likewise, the good works. You need to realize this too, and we'll close with this. You may get rewarded for the good things you've done now in this life in which we live. But you may not get your reward until the judgment seat. You need to realize that. Well, Lord, I've been doing all this stuff for you and I've been serving you and I've been doing this and I've been doing that and I've been doing this and I've been doing that and I've been doing this and I've been doing And it looks like there's no reward anywhere to be seen. Well, it may just be that that reward isn't coming until the judgment seat. And you know something that the Lord got through to me on that years ago in prayer as I just spent time with him as I've meditated on it? Thank God for the reward he gives us now in this life. Thank God for that. But you know what? If I had to choose between him rewarding me now or him rewarding me later, I'd rather get rewarded later. Do you hear me? Because the reward we get in this time will pass away. 
But the reward that we get at the judgment seat of Christ is eternal and will never pass away. So much talk in Christian circles about, oh, we want reward, we want reward. Well, there's nothing wrong with wanting that. And I know the scripture says in one place that rewards, in, 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 over in the book of Mark somewhere, he talks about how the rewards will come in this time. Some rewards will come in this time. And thank God for that. But, but you know, a lot of the rewards won't come until the judgment seat. And those are eternal. And those are the one I'm really interested in. How about you? So what was the point of this message today? The point of this message today was just to try to encourage everybody that no matter what you're going through in life, maybe things are just going just wonderful. Hey, the Bible says, take heed wherein you stand lest ye fall. So if things are going real good, don't get prideful because pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. So if things are just, man, things are just going great, things are just going wonderful, praise God. But walk humbly, continue to walk humbly before the Lord because it isn't over till it's over. And I've already seen people, you know, they just had to whirl by the tail and they get prideful and they get haughty and the next thing you know, things don't go so good. So if things are going good, stay humble. Maybe you're here today and things are just not going good. Maybe things are just going rotten. Maybe things just aren't good at all. What have I said to you today? Don't judge anything by where you're at now. Don't give up now. Don't quit now. Think about all those people we read about today. What if they'd have quit in their low moment? They'd have quit defeated and they never would have gone on and and done what God really wanted them to do. You understand that? So don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. Just keep on keeping on. Keep on serving God. Keep on being honest. Keep on doing what's right. Keep on loving the Lord. Keep on forgiving people. Keep on loving people. Just keep on. Keep your hand to the plow and keep on doing what's right. And in the process of time, praise God. I tell you what, God has a way of bringing you out of that. Amen? And, and judge nothing before the time. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Stand with me if you would. I hope you got what it was we were trying to get across to you there today. Amen? Praise God. Heads bowed, eyes closed if you would for just a moment right before we dismiss. Uh, if you're here today and you, you, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never made Him the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do that today before you leave. There'll be some men and women standing up here in the front as, as I dismiss. They'll be standing right up here in the front. And, and I, just, I just want to encourage you, don't leave here today unless you know where you stand with, with the Lord. If you've never repented of your sins and asked Jesus into your heart, you need to do that before you leave here today. I want to encourage you in that. So when I dismiss here in just a few moments... As people are leaving or talking or whatever, just come up and get with one of these people up here and say, hey, I, I want to make Jesus my Lord. And, and they'll pray with you. And I tell you, in just a moment of time, you can change your eternal destiny from that of hell to that of heaven. And, and, and God will rejoice. Heaven will rejoice. We'll rejoice. And, and, and then not only will you miss hell and make heaven, but you'll have Jesus with you in your heart, the life of God to help you go through the affairs of life. 
Maybe you have another prayer need besides getting saved. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe you hadn't been walking with him like you should. You can come forward and these nice people will pray with you to get you back into, into the place you need to be with the Lord. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need somebody to talk to. Well, that's why these people are here. So if you need to, come on up afterward and they'll talk with you. They'll pray with you. And we encourage you to do that. That's why they're here. Well, realize, say, thank God for the word of God and the encouragement that came today. And I will not judge anything too early. I'll not judge anything before the time. I'll not give up and quit. I'll serve God and I'll cross the finish line and I'll look for reward from the Lord Jesus. And to him be all the glory, honor and praise. Amen. Hey, greet three or four people and then you're dismissed. God bless you.